Hey, good afternoon, Prescott, and thank you so much for tuning in to Prescott E News Prescott Talks. My name's Glenn Martin, and uh, we're a little, little bit off. Uh, we're doing this on a Wednesday afternoon, um, and it is live stream. So if you have any questions or comments, please, by all means, write it down in the comments section, and we'll give it over to my guests today. Uh, again, we're a little bit out of sequence. We normally do these on Fridays, but um, with everything that's going on within our communities, we're trying to be as flexible as we can to get the word out and uh, conversations on our current affairs. So without any further ado, I'd like to introduce uh, our uh, former mayor, Mayor Harry Oberk Prescott, who is now running for the Board of Supervisors District 1 uh, here in Yavapai County. So first of all, thank you so much for coming in, Harry. I appreciate your time and, thank you, and, and, and sitting down with us and talking. Um, you know, we're going to kind of get into some of the things that are going on today in a little bit. But I'd like to talk, you know, I, typically when I talk to a candidate, um, I'm a pretty passionate Second Amendment guy. And, um, you know, for the people that are watching this right now, and a lot of the people that do watch my show, there you are as well. Mm -hmm. So without any further, what, how do you feel about the Second Amendment? And do you agree with Yavapai County's uh, uh, stance on the Second Amendment sanctuary status? Well, first of all, I believe in the entire Bill of Rights, mm -hmm. uh, but particularly the second. And I think if you lose the second, you'll lose the first. Yes. So uh, I've been a member of the NRA since uh, 1975. I'm a life member. Um, I signed up both of my sons as, as memberships in the National Rifle Association. Um, I think basically what the county did recently was was appropriate. I, I think we should have had the same thing uh, done by the city, and I hope that in the future that they'll look at, you know, backing that because yeah. uh, right now, basically, what you the, the county has told the sheriff is this is their sense of how they want things to be handled when it comes to the Second Amendment. Right. And I'm not sure that I get that same feeling uh, with the, the city's proclamation and, and position on it with the police, the local right. police. So. Um, I'm hoping that uh, the city will come around and uh, agree with the um, with the county. Um, you know, I'm concerned about red flag laws because uh, I'm concerned that you're not going to have adequate due process under them. Uh, one of the things that I've read is that uh, you know states, as they try to find what is significant risk, mm -hmm. um, it's been written so broadly that it uh, or vaguely that it gives judges broad discretion on, you know, if they decide to take your guns and for how long. And, and so I'm, I'm very concerned about that. Um, I think if we're going to have a situation, laws where, uh, you know, law enforcement or family members can petition the court to take your weapons away, it has to be fact-based and it has to be an immediate risk. Yes. And, and, and just so we make it really clear to the folks that may not know, because Yavapai County has passed a, uh, this ruling, uh, I believe it's an ordinance, isn't it, Larry? Uh, an ordinance a or a proclamation. Yeah. Uh, doesn't mean that the other municipalities necessarily have to follow along with it, like Prescott. Prescott has its own city council. It has its own police department. So uh, they would, you know, if they if they feel that the red flag laws, like I do, feel that they're overstepped uh, and uh, a violation of constitutional rights, 
then they need to protect the citizens under their own statute and under their own umbrella. So, and that goes for Chino, and that would go for uh, any other municipality that has its own law enforcement, Correct. right? Great. So, uh, yeah, that was a big deal. And you know, Harry, a lot of the things that are going on today, um, we're, we're so focused with Wuhan virus out there. Mm -hmm. We all know this is all going to come back at us here, you know, re relatively short, shortly. And, uh, you know, the, the left is going to start looking for gun control and they're going to start going on their agenda items very quickly. Um, I mean, they're already looking at seeing what they can do to for the, you know, to, to look into how the president has handled this crisis or this, this pandemic. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to sleep anytime soon. So we need to stay vigilant is what I'm trying to say to everybody. And we need to elect people who stand behind our constitution, and our bill of rights. So thank you very much for that statement. Um, moving forward a little bit, we're, let's talk about this, the uh, county. Um, a lot of conversation has been done in the past. Uh, it's probably too late at this point, but there was a 18% tax put on the citizens of Yavapai County for, for the increase uh, for every $100,000 value in their house. It's 18% increase. Where do you stand on that? Well, <clears throat> I understand it goes for two things, uh, trying to pay down the uh, PSPRS, Public mm -hmm. Safety Personnel Retirement System debt. Uh, that the county has, and also to look at building a new jail and a justice center. Mm -hmm. um, I think, like you say, with the Wuhan virus, I don't think we really know the full effect of what this is going to do to our economy. So I think, initially, we shouldn't be looking at spending money on a, on a jail until we know exactly what it's going to take to get our business back up and get our our workforce back on the job. So um, I think we do need to pay our PSPRS. As a matter of fact, uh, I brought something along with me. Um, Department of Public Safety, our, our Highway Patrol, mm -hmm. um, they are almost $900 million in the hole. Right. Uh, that's the deficit they have in their pension plan. We're not so bad at Prescott. Uh, we're about uh, $29 million down on our Fire department, our police department is down uh, about 26 million, um, which is which is good. That's a great improvement from when I was mayor. You know, mm -hmm. they with the 443, they've been able to, to address that. So in this case, you're going to see the uh, the, the county tax is going to be able to, to offset some of that uh, deficit that we have. Uh, the sheriff's department right now is uh, almost 40 million dollars in the hole. Mm -hmm. And um, there was one here that was another county agency. Um, it was the um, investigator service, and they were only 2.3% funded. Yeah, just so, about ready to go under. Yeah. yeah, and basically, this is from June of last year. Mm -hmm. This coming June, We'll see what this last year has done. Right. You know the investments that were done by the PSPRS board, and basically the returns have been so pathetic in the past that we're we're going to see increases to this. Right. And of course we're going to see the even further increases because the collapse of the market. You know it's gone down what uh, 11 percent or yeah. something like that. So um, we're going to see a significant increase across the board in all of these. 
So I think it was probably a good idea to go ahead and raise our property taxes to cover PSPRS. Yeah. Well, the thing that, um, that when we talk about PSPRS, I have to understand that it's a collective. So if one goes under the rest of the rest of the municipalities have to pick up that slack. Right. So, I mean, we have some real, some municipalities that are real trouble. Uh, uh, South Tucson, I believe is one of them. Bisbee's another right. one. Yeah. Um, we just got done. You just got read some facts there. You know, when I hear the governor say we got a billion dollars in surplus, well, you owe a billion dollars to the, to the DPS That's alone. Right. So yeah. tell me about your surplus. So, um, there is a lot of economic problems coming along, and but wouldn't you agree that until we get the the board fixed, until the bleeding stops, if you will, at the PSPS board level, um, that's where anything that the municipality we can keep on throwing money, good money into a hole, and they can keep on losing it. And I use Senator Bennett came out with a program moving a lot of the PSPRS uh, um, investments over to the state secretary. Uh, have you, secretary. Uh, have you been aware of that and how, in your opinion, if you are? Well, back when I was mayor, we looked at that. We thought that it should have been under uh, state treasurer because they were doing a lot better than anybody else. They were even doing better than uh, ASRS, which is Arizona State Retirement System, right. which is for everybody else in government that's not uh, public safety right. and or judges. And um, you know, I talked to Jeff DeWitt at that time, who's a treasurer, and I know that there was a lot of consideration to try and do that, but uh, there's a lot of uh, resistance, mm -hmm. uh, both in the legislature and of course uh, with the people in PSPRS. Um, I don't know that for some reason they think that their uh, fund is being well managed. Sure. Uh, but they're bleeding out, but hey, you know. They're still getting paid. People that are on retirement are still getting paid. Uh, I worked with De Debbie Lesko, she was mm -hmm. senator at that time. Uh, we were trying to get what we called tier three, which was going to be, right. you know, an improved uh, retirement system. It was going to be both a defined benefit and a defined contribution. We were trying to load it more towards a defined contribution, right. which is like a regular 401k. Uh, I have talked to people that in the in the police force uh, around the state that have gotten out. You know, some people go in the uh, in the law enforcement, and then after two, three, four years, they find out that's not really for them, and they want to leave. Right. So if they if they selected tier uh, tier three uh, defined benefit. If they don't leave after three or four years, they can't take their retirement with them. They'll lose it. Right. If they were in defined contribution, then they would be able to take it with right. them. So I think, uh, I think I was talking to somebody recently, in a, uh, about six months ago, I think it was, and they mm -hmm. said since tier three has gone into effect, um, I think only five percent of the people that have been Very hired well. since then yeah. have actually gone into defined contribution, mm -hmm. the 401k type. Uh, everybody else has taken defined benefit. Um, so right now that continues to build up, you know, the, the losses that we have, the, the deficits that we have to make up. Mm -hmm. And I think you've heard that across the United States, uh, we're almost, uh, $4 trillion in a hole. Sure. 
um, for all public pension system. And yeah. right now, Pelosi is saying, well, you know, we want to get all this money in this uh, fourth tranche, I think she calls it, this mm -hmm. fourth uh, bill that they're going to try and have on funding, to go out there to the states, particularly the ones that are poorly managed, right. uh, Chicago, um, New York, places like that, uh, that have uh, billions of dollars in unfunded liability in their pension system. Yeah. And they want to get us to bail them out. And I, I think that's totally wrong. I mean, yeah. if, if they've had bad uh, policies and decisions in, in developing the, their uh, public pension system, why should it be us and anybody else from another state having to pay for that? You're I absolutely totally right. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and they'll try to do whatever they can to, get, to make that happen. But you, you say there's a lot of resistance from changing uh, from the PSPS board to the Treasury's department. Um, I, I didn't bring my numbers with me today, but uh, I, I believe it was something like a half a billion dollars is used for outside sourcing for uh, the investment companies with the, with the board. And the Treasury Department has had a better return and their, yeah. their expenditures have been about $28,000. So a half a billion dollars is a lot of people that will be given a lot of resistance that we don't want you to move over there because it's a gravy train. Yes. You know, so again, I didn't bring the numbers, uh, the exact numbers, but Ken Bennett puts out a great uh, um, argument to yes, move that is. over. Yep. And uh, hopefully, you know, Ken, if you're watching this, I'd love to have you come on the show. We'll put your whiteboard up and, and let you show all the numbers. Uh, he's quite an architect and he, he shows you both, uh, he, he explains it to you and shows you both uh, visually how this would affect it. So uh, yeah, PSPRS isn't going to go away anytime soon. Um, now with, again, with the economic disaster that we've had is even going to compound it. So, um, you know, I think right now, Harry, a lot of people are wondering, are we going to get our taxes raised even more to cover expenses within the, the, the county? Uh, would that be? Well, on 27 April, I was watching uh, a budget meeting by the Board of Supervisors. Uh, right now, they're estimating uh, revenue loss this year. Uh, in 2021 uh, of about $4 million. As a result of that, of course, they're going to have to start looking at, can we really keep the budget we have or we're going to have to start reducing some of the activities that we normally we're going to fund, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in public works, you know, streets and things of that nature. Uh, they were also looking at 2% uh, cost of living increase for all their employees and a 1% and a bonus uh, merit uh, increase. Uh, they have tabled that until January, so uh, if I get in in January, I'll get sent, be one of the things I'll have to look at right away, and anybody else that gets reelected mm -hmm. or elected at that point will have to look at. Um, I, I will tell you the way we used to do it in some of the organizations I was in on the federal, in the federal government. You know, they're talking about, the, the county was talking about uh, maybe looking at taking 10% out of the budget. Uh, or telling everybody that, you know, we may have to take 10%. I will tell you that you should take the 10% right now. Mm -hmm. Because what that does, it makes all the departments say, okay, we just realized we got to cut. Now let's really look at what we really need to do, the things that are most important, and prioritize those, and that's where we take that 90% that we still have left and start, uh, you know, paying for whatever we have to do mm -hmm. in the way of our normal business. So I think... You know, they made a mistake in not taking that 10% right now. Go ahead and make, make the, all the departments realize 
they might not have that period. I mean, if, if everything turns out okay, the revenue comes in like we would like to see it you know, return, mm -hmm. basically, then you can give it back to them. Mm -hmm. But you know, I think this is going to be going on for quite a while. As a yeah. matter of fact, the National uh, Review had an article in there saying um, this is going to be unprecedented, unprecedented disruption you know, in, sure. our, in our economy. And, and I think that's true. I mean, how many people thought Macy's was going to close and I think they laid off 123,000 employees. Yeah. Now I heard that they're uh, starting to re think about reopening, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, 30, 40 stores or something like that. So it looks like they're starting to try and come back. But I don't think this is something that's going to be resolved in a year. Right. It might be several years before we really get back up and running again. Um, I mean, how long did it take us from the, the 2000, 2007 and 2008? I, I think it really wasn't, wasn't until about 2013, 14, that we were really starting to recover and everything was really starting to build up. And of course, when Trump got in there, he, he opened up the floodgates by getting rid of a lot of the regulation that was tamping right. down uh, the economy. So I think, you know, they're saying 4 million right now. I think it's going to be more than that. So that's one reason why I say if we have any money, uh, let's say for the jail, mm -hmm. that should be held right now. I mm -hmm. don't think there should be a bond to, to build anything with the, the jail complex until we see exactly what it's going to take to fund county government and to get our businesses back, you know. Online. Um, online, yeah. Well, it's interesting that you say that uh, about, you know, uh, the employees. There's been a lot of people who have been furloughed in our country and in our county, and there's been a lot of people who have been laid off. But I don't know, is, and, and so what my question would be, is everybody that works for the county essential? Are there any layoffs going on within our city governments or our counties. I, I haven't heard of any, Larry. Uh, even though we're in this economic problem and we've already got the, the newly appointed treasurer sending out letters saying the Wuhan virus has no excuse for you not to pay your taxes. You know, um, there's gotta be a breaking point for, you know, for the citizens as well to say, you know what, maybe I haven't had a check coming in. Um, it's easy when you're sitting in an elected position or you're, you're a county worker who has no, no threat of losing your job or your position to make those types of uh, comments. But I don't see the other side, the, 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 I guess the, 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 the flow of the public being recognized within this, count, within this board of supervisors. I might be wrong, do you say? Well, uh, I don't know if they've had to uh, let anybody go from the county. I, I have heard that uh, where they had contracts and they had contract employees, some of those people had to be released because you know they they've stopped the contract or the the contract's uh, on hold right now until you know the whole thing kind of gets right. opened back up again. But those are contract employees. We're those talking are about yeah. county. I get my paycheck from county people. I've heard that to some of the people that were um, um, you know on wages basically. Um, what's it? Losing a word for uh, minimum wage, minimum, minimum wage, wage folks. Minimum wage. Some workers. of those people were released, mm -hmm. okay. but uh, I think the, the the general salaried people, mm -hmm. no. no, to my knowledge, no. It's just the minimum wage folks. Hmm. Interesting. So we, we, you know, one of the things that I talked to you about, Harry, is uh, I watch the internet and I watch YouTube's and and Facebook. And by the way, Harry does have a Facebook page, so if you have any questions for Harry, 
Uh, we'll have that on the screen here shortly, as well as a website for Harry Oberg for uh, Board of Supervisor District 1. Um, but I've heard a lot from the Mayor Mangare from Mayor Mangarelli. Uh, he gives a media release pretty much every day, um, even in a time of, of personal tragedy. You know, the mayor was on the deck. And same thing with the mayor over in Prescott Valley. They've been giving updates and, and what, uh, what the county or what their cities are doing and, and some of the events that are still going on within the city. And I haven't seen anything come out of the, out of the, the Board of Supervisors. I haven't seen any direction. I haven't seen any opinions. I mean, the mayor came out, Mayor Mangarelli came out and talked about how disappointed he was that, that, mayor, uh, that Governor Ducey extended this lockdown. Uh, I think uh, the mayor of PV did the same thing, but it's been absolutely silent from the chairman and all the other board of supervisors that I've seen. I mean, they do post like talking points, the governor's media uh, uh, releases. They do post the talking points from the county health and their media releases, but there's no leadership is what I'm trying to say, Harry. Are you seeing the same thing and what can we do going forward? Well, um, <clears throat> I've been wanting to meet with certain people, you know, mm -hmm. uh, normally over the phone or whatever. Or, uh, sometimes we've been looking at Zooms. But um, some of the people I've been trying to meet with said, well, I've, I have to uh, be gone at this particular time or I can't meet you until such and such time because the county is having a COVID-19 briefing mm -hmm. and I have to attend. And I don't know, some of them have lasted two hours. So I do know that at some point, you know, uh, they are having meetings. The county health official is, is talking about what's going on. Uh, but other than that, uh, I haven't heard anything else that's been put out on a regular basis like the mayors have done in the two cities. What can the county do for our small business? What some of your ideas of getting them started out? I put out a couple ideas of, of how the county can help our small businesses, maybe by tax breaks. How about, uh, and I'm not running for office, trust me, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I believe that the county health department working in the food district industry, for as long as I do, I know the county health department is there to, to help with uh, different uh, openings and, and grand openings. Can they get out there and help some of these small restaurants get back out online and take a look at their protocols and make sure that they're in line of what we're gonna have to do when we open up? In other words, is there a county role that is being, that? I'm not hearing about and that can be uh, used to get our economy going again within our, within our area? Well, I think some of the things I've heard is uh, maybe reducing or um, postponing or whatever would be the correct word, um, some of the code enforcement. Mm -hmm. So when somebody comes in to get a permit uh, to build a building or to set up a business, uh, right now a lot of people are telling me that they're pretty onerous. Um, and also they're expensive. So it could be that the county could start looking at um, permit fees being reduced mm -hmm. to entice people to get back to, you know, going out there and opening up new businesses maybe. Uh, I talked to one person, uh, this happened to be in, in the city of Prescott, said I would love to have a, a business down, you know, in the business district in Prescott. Um, but a lot of those buildings are old and to go in there uh, with all the new uh, building code requirements, you know, it just costs so much money for me to revamp the building to meet the new codes that, you know, I, it keeps me from really wanting to go into business. All right. So he said, you know, if they would say, okay, within three years, you have to implement all these codes so that, you know, 
we get the fire and the safety ones out of the way first. Mm -hmm. The person gets in the business, and then later on, you know, they have to play catch up and, and get the rest of the codes uh, brought into uh, into being. So something like that is something I think we sh we should look at. I know one gentleman uh, has a building that um, somebody wants to buy and put a business in. Um, I don't know whether the electricity is uh, outdated or needs to be upgraded or something. So he went into um, the county to try and get um, the permit to go ahead and upgrade or put in new electricity or whatever it was. And uh, basically he's having, he's being given so many other requirements in the building yeah. that, you know, he says it's, it's not going to be economic, economical for me to do it. And so by the time he gets through doing all that, you know, then he's going to have to raise the price and probably the guy's not going to want to right. you know, take the building in and put his business in there. So I think there's some things that we can do. Um, and I, I think everybody should be thinking outside the box and coming up with ideas. And if we think there's anything we can do to get businesses to, to get back online faster, we should be doing it. Yeah. And, and the same thing goes for the citizens. You know, uh, the letter that came out, I found kind of a shocking that, that, you know, it doesn't matter if the Wuhan virus was here or not, pay your taxes. Well, there's a lot of people that haven't been working, and maybe there's some people that can't pay their taxes. I don't know. I, I, I'm not saying that we should forgive taxes, don't get me wrong, but maybe there's a way that we could put a payment plan together or something to help even our local citizens in our, in our districts that are struggling right now. I mean, there's a lot of families out there that are struggling to get food on the table, much less pay their taxes. This is a time when government needs to come to aid of the people. Would you agree? I mean, yeah. and, 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 and I, I, I don't see any of this, and we're sitting here at this table kind of brainstorming a lot of these thoughts. I don't hear this happening from, from, from the county in any way. What I'm hearing from you mostly is your leadership, what you've explained, what you have shown in the past, Harry. And um, I, I would just, I just hope that if you're listening to me, the other board of supervisors, y'all get together and start showing some of the leadership that you've, that you've exhibited in the past. Because uh, um, I, as a county resident, I'll be honest with you, I'm, I'm very frustrated, if not disappointed, in the leadership that's happened. So um, we need somebody in there that's going to start moving walls and, and getting things done. Well, I kind of agree with you. I, I was talking to a guy the other day that has a business downtown, and um, I just asked him, how was it going? He said, well, fortunately, the, you know, he has a rent. He, he rents a building from mm -hmm. somebody, and the, the person has cut the rent 80%, and I think he has to make up, um, he has to, to start making payments within, uh, by the end of the year, and I think within, at the end of 2021, he has to be fully paid up on everything that, you know, he's yeah. not being charged right now. Right. I, and I think government needs to be looking at the same thing. They could be doing the same thing right now with the taxes. Right. You know, they could say, okay, we're going to, we're not going to forgive them. Right. What we are going to do is, you know, prorate them maybe, mm -hmm. uh, or maybe set up a payment plan uh, so that, you know, what you owe right now, you'll have to have paid in the next year. Yeah. Um, so well, I think that's yeah. something that we need we, we need to take a look at. You know, I think what happens many times, businesses, you know, because they have a bottom line to worry about, they innovate. Mm -hmm. They start making decisions right away. They start looking at what's going to take to get, you know, things moving and, you know, start getting profitable again. Yep. My, my personal feeling with government is a lot of times I don't think they innovate. 
I, I would not be a bit surprised. What we're going to do is go back to doing the things the way we've been doing things, before. Same thing, same, different day. And, yeah. you know, it, it, you, they don't have to worry about a bottom line. Mm -hmm. They produce no value. Mm -hmm. um, basically, if, if they start running into trouble, they raise taxes. Uh, you know, a business can't do that. What they have to do is they have to innovate. They have to figure out, you know, do I do I lower the price on my, my goods for a while or do I start providing some additional services so people, you know, will understand the, the price increase I'm going to have to ask to keep staying in business. They, they really start working it and figuring out what it's going to take to make the business successful. And I, I unfortunately, I don't always feel that way with government. Mm -hmm. And particularly, you know, state and national government, I think, is some of the worst. I think that's why we're so... We've done so well with our president, President Trump. He's a businessman and he sees through these and he takes the initiative to get get through this rather than what you were talking about. And it's the same thing with the, with the public, you know, me, Joe Public. You know, if I want something new, I look at my budget and I say, can I afford it if I can't afford it? I don't have the autonomy to go raise taxes or, you know, uh, uh, do something illegal to make you know, money to go and do that. So, you know, if we can't afford a jail, if we can't afford these things, we... We need to either cut back our, our, our budget to begin with so we can afford it and not always rely on the citizens of the, of the county to bail us out or, or to uh, just, you know, it's easy just to, we'll just tax you more. I think that's a, a real cop out sometimes and I think it's mm -hmm. all too easy for the politicians to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that was, <laughs> I, I don't know much more. I mean, you know, there was a lot of the things that I wanted to talk about today was you know, the, what's going on currently and, and how we can help. And I, I sure hope if you, again, if you have any comments or questions for Harry, please do so. Uh, we've covered a couple of really good subjects, PSPRS, taxing Second Amendment. Um, you know, a little bit about, um, I, you know, I think we have some time, Harry. You are really, uh, or you are very involved with the forestry service. Mm -hmm. And um, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Well, back when I was mayor, we were looking at uh, trying to get a biomass industry going here. Um, you know, our forests are greatly overgrown. Um, going back and reading some of the history on, on, on Prescott, back around the uh, 1860s, 70s, we had about 40 to 60 trees per acre here. A lot of them were very large uh, trees. Uh, my dad, he was a cow puncher here back in the 20s. He said he found old ponderosa stumps that were six feet across. So that tells you wow. that when the trees were, you know, spaced out, uh, they grew quite large. Right. And uh, then, of course, you know, had mining and you had the railroad come in here. You had people building, needing to build homes and things of that nature and businesses. And so a lot of the wood was cut down. And, and as time went on, you know, and the, the young saplings came up, they, they were not cleared out. And then, of course, in the 30s, the Forest Service decided that they were going to have a policy of no fires. Mm -hmm. And I think it was in the 40s they finally came out with Smokey the Bear and, and uh, you know, put out forest fires and prevent forest fires and all that. And I was talking to, uh, about three years ago, I was talking to a forest ranger. And I said, what do you think about Smokey the Bear now? And he said, well, knowing what we do now, we should have shot him 40, 50 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Basically what he was saying is that, you know, they really have mismanaged the forest because they didn't allow um, natural fires to you know, take out a lot of that undergrowth and the latter mm -hmm. fires, the latter fuels to get into the trees. Um, so if you go out in the forest right now, um, you see a lot of deadwood. Mm -hmm. And you saw it with the Dosey fire. The Dosey fire started in brush, 
and it moved very fast. Mm -hmm. uh, of fuel. course, there was a strong wind. You saw that down there when we lost the 19 firefighters, mm -hmm. wild, wildland firefighters. Uh, that was a change in direction of the wind of, of 180 degrees, and it was doing 30 miles an hour this way mm -hmm. one minute, and it was doing it this way the next minute, and uh, you know, and it got into a lot of heavy brush, and it just, you know, it was just something that couldn't be overrun or, mm -hmm. or put out. So um, I think we really need to, to get back to looking at a biomass industry. The guy I was dealing with when I was mayor at, at the state level, uh, he's gone on. There's a new person down there. So when I, uh, if I'm elected to be a supervisor, I'm going to work very closely with the state forester and see what we can do to, to try and, um, you know, reduce the overburden on, in our forests and make sure that we're safe from wildfires. You know, Harry, I've always questioned and long questioned, I should say, about, you know, what they do is they go and they do these clears and they burn it. And the, I mean, it gets so smoky in the, in our area and mm -hmm. down in through Prescott. It, I, people who have respiratory problems mm -hmm. to begin with are actually affected and have to stay in their homes to do that. Um, and it just seems to be such a waste that we just burn off all this stuff into our atmosphere when we can. And, and for me, I have a pellet stove and I know a lot of people who use these pellet stoves. Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be great to be able to do these clearing, take that product and, and make pellets and actually use it for home heating and something that's useful instead of just burning it off into our atmosphere. It's well, a, when I was working with the state forester before, um, he found a company back, I think in Missouri, that had a machine that you could actually take right to the forest. So the big problem with uh, biomass, a lot of times you would cut the wood, you'd have to take it someplace to process right, things, moving it someplace out. So all that uh, transportation was making it uneconomical. Mm -hmm. So this guy came up with a, uh, basically a machine that produces pellets yeah and uh, you take it right to where you where the work is and so they could get rid of a lot of the slash piles yeah. right now that we end up burning mm -hmm. uh, but there's still the idea of prescribed burns and that's where you go in and start you know slowly taking out some of the undergrowth so that right. you can reduce uh, the amount of uh, fuel that's on the ground I mean it's, you go some places in the forest you'll see pine needles you know three or four inches thick yeah. And uh, yeah. unfortunately, when that catches on fire, it sterilizes the ground mm -hmm. and makes it much more difficult for the trees to come back gotcha. in the long run. So um, there's a lot of science to this. Mm -hmm. It's a complex issue, um, but I think it's something that we need to continue to work on. Well, we just certainly don't want to go the direction that California did. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and wind up with disasters. So, yeah. Right, exactly. Yeah. Well, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much. We've kind of took up all our time and we only got a couple more minutes left. So. I want to wrap the show up and say uh, thank you, first of all, for those who may not be or may be new in Prescott. Uh, Mayor Oberg, he is a, a lifelong resident of Prescott. Yeah. You were born here. You went to school here. Yeah. Uh, Mayor has, uh, is a Vietnam veteran, served his country, uh, has been involved in many different uh, government agencies. And um, I will tell you, I was the uh, chairman of the Sober Home Committee. I worked for the mayor under, under his leadership. For a lot of the folks, again, if you weren't around in 2016, there were about 180 operating sober homes that were basically taking over the, the city in a lot of ways and a lot of safety concerns within our citizens. And uh, under Mayor Oberg's leadership, uh, at the end of the day, we passed some ordinances, we've got some standards, and uh, the, the sober homes that, were, that remained after that, I remember exactly, it was 28 sober homes that were operating within the city limits of Prescott, who had been code enforced, who had been fire inspected, 
who had standards of business plan and most of all control over the people who were in recovery, making it a safer place for both Prescott residents and the people inside those sober homes. Mm -hmm. So I've seen the leadership of this guy um, and um, I'm going to release a letter today uh, endorsing and supporting your candidacy for oh, the Supervisors District 1. Um, I, I hope the folks will take a good hard look at you and uh, what you stand for and your, and your policies. And again, your past leadership is, is exemplary. I mean, I can't say enough. So with that, I want to say thank you, Harry, for support for defending our country. Well, I thanks for your kind uh, words and uh, appreciate everything you did when you were head yeah. of that ad hoc committee. Yeah. And uh, I look forward to serving the community. Yeah. Well, thank you for all our military, both past and present serving. I always appreciate your your service and um, and going forward, our law enforcement and our fire departments for keeping our streets safe. Uh, don't forget Friday, we have a show coming up that it was pre-recorded on Monday. Uh, it's with a hairstylist who has been out of work since April 3rd. And she's going to talk a little bit about what has gone on in her life and the complications that all this has happened, along with this extended till, what is it, the 8th, uh, that now they can finally open. So it, may, it was recorded Monday before Ducey's announcement, but it, I think it still applies, and we're still going to go ahead and release that. And then uh, next week on Tuesday, we will be streaming live Highway 69 Republicans. Steve Irwin's going to be here. I believe his guest is the Yavapai Preparedness Team. And um, if there's any candidates out there that might want to come and make a, a, sound, a sound bite, you're more than welcome to come to the studio. We'll put you on for a couple of minutes and you can make a statement if you'd like. We welcome all of the sides of views. So, you know, I have Harry today. Uh, anybody else who wants to come on running for Board of Supervisors, current serving or, or looking for, um, we'll, we'll absolutely do that. Rob's giving me the cue. What time for the Highway 69? That's going to be at 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday. 5.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Steve Irwin will be your host. With that, Prescott, thank you so much. We appreciate your time. And uh, always be safe out there. And don't forget to wash your hands. <laughs>